got nine minutes to maximize your travel and casino experience? Welcome to Zorkcast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. From airline miles and hotel points to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all of the knowledge you need to travel in style, brought to you in nine minutes or less. Okay, well, sometimes more than nine minutes, but always less than 36. Now, please welcome the hosts of Zorkcast, your friendly neighborhood American, Michael Mason Traeger, and everyone's favorite Brit, Steve White. Hello, this is Michael, and welcome back to Zorkcast. I also have my lovely co-host, Steve, here, and we have an interesting topic for today, or if I was completely honest with you, a topic that doesn't fucking interest me at all, but Steve wanted to do. <laughs> oh my god! Before we before we even started this, I'm like, this is going to be a really good episode. And Michael's like, I can hear it in his voice. He's like, yeah, like no, no seriously, we need to record this. And then he's like, yeah, uh, so- yeah, maybe. And then he goes, oh, you could do the intro. And I'm like, I'm not doing the intro. He clearly has a real love for this topic, everyone. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. But you know what? That's it's it's sort of we have a little mini democracy here. So we all come up with ideas. We all, we all, all two of us come up with with ideas for the well, show. We Michael, actually do Michael likes to Michael likes to portray that image. Really, it's he's very much a authority figure and tells me what we're doing. <laughs> Oh, is that no, no? The, this was you. So, so the, the topic, the topic for the podcast. You know, it's so funny because I always say that, like, I bet they're waiting to find out what the topic is. But of course, the topic is on the title when they do it. So it's such a. We should, you know, we should start recording podcasts, and we should not put titles. We should just call it Zorcast Episode Ninety Whatever, and you'll find out when you listen. Actually, that's what we should do next week. You'll find we're going to do an episode next week where you're not going to find out what it is until you listen. So you're not going to have any description or any title, and you're going to have to listen. And it's going to be really good. Not like this. Tell me what the topic is beforehand, or is it going to be like a complete mystery to me too? I'm not going to tell you either. Oh God! (laughs) This is where you pick something really weird, like dogs in Vegas. And I'm like, how the hell do I talk about dogs in Vegas? That wouldn't be really weird. So anyway, today's topic is non-gaming hotels in Las Vegas, a viable option with a question mark. So you were sort of questioning whether, you know, non-gaming hotels are a good viable option when you are choosing a property to stay at in Las Vegas. And my short answer is, Of course, it's a viable option. It probably is a good option for some people because everybody has different views about those types of things. So why don't you give some of your short opinions, Steve, about, you know, why somebody might want to consider a non-gaming hotel in Las Vegas, especially the ones that are somewhat convenient to the Strip? Like, why would somebody want to do that? Okay, well, I guess the really obvious answer is, and I would say that this is probably the case for more people than you would think is maybe some people just don't like casinos and they don't want to gamble or be near gambling. Now you may be thinking, okay, why would you go to Vegas if you're not into gambling? But the amount of uh, conventions, for example, that are there and business trips that actually are based around Vegas, particularly because it's got so many hotels and 
restaurant options. It's got the convention centers, etc. There is quite a lot of people that go to Vegas simply for business. And I think that's where these non-gaming hotels really start to have a place within the Vegas sphere, I guess you could call it. What do you think? I think that's part of it. You know, I mean, I think I think also part of it could be, you know, priorities and budget. Right. I mean, with regard to, yes. you know, different properties, I think you could definitely consider some properties that are not in the normal casino property realm that might have like no resort fees or might be part of a loyalty program you know, that doesn't have, though, of course, properties are very tricky now, but we did an article on LVA travel a couple of months ago, which is, you know, five ways to beat resort fees. And there are a few little properties without resort fees. Like, for example, though, this is a non-casino property, like the Best Western, right? The Casino Royale Hotel has no resort fee. Like, who would have known that? And like- And people don't really know that either. Yeah. And the Hyatt Place, the Hyatt Place on Paradise also has no resort fees. And it's only about one and a half miles from Cosmopolitan. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but I never look off strip, really. I don't even really go downtown much anymore. So I think what we have to separate this conversation a little bit into if you qualify for comp rooms, why you might want to choose to redeem your comp stay at an affiliated property which doesn't have resort fees and then mm-hmm. not resort fee that doesn't have a casino it probably will have resort mm-hmm. fees and then we need yes. to separate that into people who are paying revenue rates or using points of why they would rather do a property that's not a casino property which probably is interesting I mean, there are some standout properties that people seem to like a lot, like Vidara and also MGM Signature. And some of those are available using your casino loyalty points, I believe. Yes, Vidara, you can definitely get comped at. And I believe they use your play at Aria. However, it's also directly connected to the Bellagio as well. So I think the attraction really with Vidara is partly the rooms. People really like the rooms and they're a really good size. Particularly if you're getting comps, the comps there tend to be more generous than, say, Aria, and yet you're very close to Aria. More generous than Bellagio, yet you're very close to Bellagio. So it may be an option for some people who maybe are are getting comps but not quite getting comped to Aria or Bellagio. But also it has the attraction of being completely 100% non-smoking, which for some people is really important. It's also a lot more compact, I would personally say, than going and staying, for example, at the Aria. So... I guess you really have to think about what your priorities are. And I think that's why Vidara does get a fair amount of, of custom, particularly I find on Twitter people asking about Vidara because they find they get comps there when they might not necessarily get them elsewhere. And that's a great point. But the other thing that I think somebody else brought up, it might have been in the Facebook group or it might have been on Twitter, was Vidara, you have to use the Vidara pool. Whereas MGM Signature, which I don't think you can get comps for, but which is in the back, like sort of attached to MGM, you can use the MGM Signature pool as well as all the MGM pools. So that kind of thing can make a difference to to people also, you know, and, and then I guess, wow, this gets more complicated. 
Then you have like the luxury properties like the Four Seasons, right? Like I would say somebody's reasoning for the Four Seasons would be a lot different than the reasoning for the Hyatt Place that's one and a half miles away from Cosmopolitan or even Vidara. So that becomes an interesting kind of question too. Yeah, and you have to think about if you're willing to pay that much money, because the Four Seasons is not cheap, right? If you're willing to pay that much money to be staying at a hotel near to Mandalay Bay, which is way away from the action, but however, close for a lot of conventions, because there's a lot of conventions that happen in Mandalay Bay, you must be staying there for a particular reason, right? You, you're not going to pay out all that money to stay at that end of the strip if your intention is to come to Vegas as a tourist. I don't think anyway. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, you know, part of this is, you know, your philosophy. Now, I would argue with you when you said, well, the Four Seasons isn't cheap. I would say, but it is cheap in comparison to other Four Seasons. So in comparison, if say you wanted to stay in what you consider to be a top luxury hotel brand, which would be like Four Seasons or Mandarin or Oriental, but like there isn't a Mandarin yeah. Oriental anymore now. But so let's say it's the Four Seasons and you've always wanted to stay at a Four Seasons because you've heard it's got a great level of service and it's a nice property. But the Four Seasons in New York City will set you back like 600 a night and the Four Seasons in Paris yeah. will set you back like 900 euros a night. Well, lo and behold, in Vegas, you can get the Four Seasons sometimes for like $140 a night. So comparatively, the Four Seasons in Vegas is really inexpensive when it comes to other Four Seasons. So I could see someone saying, this is an opportunity for me to splash out in a true five-star hotel with five-star service, you know, at a price that I could never afford in many of the other major cities. So I would see that to be a and the Four Seasons is, I believe, comparable. A host can comp it for you, but it has to be comped, I believe, up front by a host. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's very interesting. But you know what? Yeah. Probably they're going to count more value for that that room comp. That gets into a little bit of our conversation yes, with how, how Win values rooms. And this gets back to my what we were talking about right before this episode. You know, the thing that's amazing about Vegas is that you can easily get comp and discounted rooms from gambling. So I guess it depends, you know, it's sort of our mindset, I would say, is if saying for four nights at the Four Seasons was going to set you back, is let's make it high. Let's say four nights, 250 a night, $1,000. You and I would be mm -hmm. of the mentality is like, how can we take that $1,000 as bankroll and strategically play that? And what can we get for it? And exactly. But the problem is somebody might say, yeah, that's true, Michael. but I take that thousand and I play at Aria in the MGM group and I wind up with a comp room offer at Excalibur for four nights. I'm not really interested in staying in Excalibur, you know, so I can see both sides of it. Like, you know, I don't feel that they feel that maybe it's not enough bankroll to get them exactly what they're going to want or they're not willing to risk that. And yeah, well, there's a risk they element to it, isn't there? That's the thing. There's that whole risk element that we're perhaps not that worried about <laughs> but some people think, yeah but i'd rather have the safe bet of this is where i'm gonna stay this is where i want to stay i'd rather pay for it right as opposed to like if that thousand dollar bankroll you get really lucky and say you get way more coin in that you regularly would get and that parlays into for your next trip a three or four night offer at bellagio you would be really exactly. happy 
Yeah. But so if you wound up with the three of that risk. Right. Because there would be someone to say, like, yeah, Excalibur free doesn't do anything for me, even though it's free. And that's a very interesting conversation. And even though you might call me pompous and arrogant sometimes, which <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I do often, you know, I would consider in a casino destination staying somewhere that I might not pay to stay because it's comp, you know, just like my recent, you know, six night foray at Caesar's Palace for the reopening. I don't really like yes. Caesar's, but it was, you know, a no risk offer for five nights comp and the six night at like $59. And it didn't involve hosts or any particular amount of action. So I'm willing to sometimes stay somewhere that I don't love because it's free and that's, you know, just works through the loyalty program. And I guess, I guess we all make those decisions sometimes with loyalty programs too. Like when you stay at a property because it's fewer points or something like that. Yeah. And you know, a similar kind of thing happens with airports because you may fly into the same city but you may fly with a different airline because it's cheaper and go to an airport that's further out, for example. So you're paying sort of less, but it's not as convenient. Yeah. Now, have you heard, you know, the other thing that always is the other part of it is like travel loyalty and status. And if that will get you upgrades at a non-casino property. And my usual broad stroke comment is that, and this is a very broad stroke comment, so please don't skewer me with this. Something like Cosmopolitan. I know what you're, you're going to say. <laughs> something like Cosmopolitan, which has their own loyalty program, has a lot of their own players, who is part of the Marriott program, is probably less inclined to be particularly impressed by those with Marriott status than their yes. own customers. Or, you know, in general, there are just so many people with status. Now, let's pivot to a property like. I don't know, the Waldorf conceptually. Yes, I was, the Waldorf, exactly well, the, I was Waldorf the Waldorf doesn't have a casino. So it's not like they have the Waldorf Casino Rewards program that you're competing with. So staying at a non-casino, not affiliated with the casino property that's part of a major loyalty program, if you happen to be like Hilton Diamond, that might be helpful in getting some perks and upgrades that you wouldn't regularly get. But I'm I'm talking yes. very and I, 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 broad. And I know at the Waldorf Astoria that in Vegas that they do upgrade Diamond members. You still get your comp breakfast and such. I think they give you a credit. So status does actually make a difference there. They they do look at your Hilton status, whereas at Cosmo they don't. And I believe at Cosmo too, you have to decide whether you want your points on your Marriott account or on your identity account, you can't have them on both and things like that. So they're going to be less inclined to support the Marriott program. I think. Right. And there are also there are also others I don't follow. Like, I don't know how much you follow the Intercontinental Alliance program with Palazzo and Venetian, because I remember when that first started, there were different questions about using VIP check-in if you were a Intercontinental ambassador, which is basically nothing, or if you are, <laughs> well, I mean, it's a pay, but there are... there it's are pay certain, program, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes you actually have to look into the nuance of all those programs. I mean, I am the first one to admit I am horrible with some of those details, like the Hilton Tropicana thing, the Waldorf thing, the Intercontinental IHG thing, because I'm always focused on casino loyalty. 
and the casino yes. properties. So I'm not thinking like to me, when you mentioned Vin- Venetian Palazzo, I think about, you know, their loyalty program and comps at Venetian Palazzo and how best to maximize that. And also they've got the spend ratio for gold and all that kind of stuff. I'm not really thinking about what will my IHG status get me at Venetian Palazzo, which maybe is wrong, you know, but I just don't, no, I, I think, just don't. I think you're right. I think the general rule is more or less if it's attached to a casino and it's got its own loyalty program and it's affiliated with a hotel scheme as well, you're probably not going to get the perks you might get if it was solely hotel loyalty. So you're like with the Waldorf, it's solely Hilton. That's it. There's no loyalty scheme. Whereas with Venetian, whereas with Cosmo, there is. There's also the Hilton in, is it in the Flamingo or is it in Planet Hollywood? There's another Hilton, the Ilara. Yeah, that's a Hilton. It's like a different kind of Hilton Hilton property. And then here we also get into, I mean, I guess you can't have a hotel conversation without, you know, talking about a lot of the pros and cons of Vegas hotels. Of course, setting aside a little bit of the COVID-19 craziness with hotels not being completely open or all the towers being open. But you know, a lot of times it is true that the casino customers get some of the best upgrades and hosts do upgrades. But then yes. there's also the other fact that casino hotels tend to have way more suites than normal hotels. You know, a of some of it is just by virtue of the size of the hotel. Like maybe they don't really like maybe the percentage wise, they don't really have that many more suites. But when you have 3000 rooms, if 5% yeah. of the rooms are suites, you have a lot more suites. So that gives a lot more opportunities. And actually, one of the things that I'm a huge fan of, and I know some people might not like this, but the hotels that have you know, reasonable upgrade programs, you know, where it's like, hey, if you want to upgrade to this, you know, you have no status or anything, you could just pay to play. Because that's sometimes a really nice option when you check in, you know, buying the lowest category room during a potentially non peak period, and then just paying for a much better upgrade, which would have been less than if you had booked that room category. And the Cosmopolitan is very good at that. From what I've heard, I've no, I mean, I'm comped there, but from I've heard, definitely heard a lot of examples of people being able to pick up wraparounds, for example, really, really cheap, you know, sort of paying for a base room and then getting the wraparound for a hundred bucks a night extra or whatever. And same with Aria too, I believe with corner suites, like $75 upgrade charge. Whereas these suites yeah. are, are retailing at like 600 bucks a night. You know, it's such a hard thing to say to people because my personal opinion with hotels in many, many cases, if you're paying for hotels, so this isn't necessarily just Vegas, you pay for the lowest yes. category and then you negotiate at check-in. And this is the gambling mentality. If the ro- if the lowest <laughs> category room is $200 and then say the next category with the C view is $300, I'm going to book the 200 knowing what the category I want is, and then try to negotiate an upgrade at check-in if possible, just because you can definitely save money because in almost all instances, because you could even say that, you know, if the next category you wanted, would you would have been able to pay 300 for it in a check-in, they offer it to you for $25 more. Well, then you know you have a good deal. If they offer you for more, you can say, well, when I went to book, it was 300 for this. That doesn't make any sense. And then they look again. But I do understand yeah. some people who are disappointed by that kind of – like they sort of feel that they – well, A, they don't want to negotiate. Like some people are turned off to negotiation to begin with. And then the second thing about it is they sort of – the disappointment if they don't get – 
the Bellagio Fountain View or something, which I guess I can understand. I mean, I'm willing to save the money and do the risk reward, you yes. know, but maybe a lot of people aren't. I mean, I don't know. What do you well, it's find? Kind of, it's, it's kind of like that argument, too, about the $20 trip. I mean, I never even bother with that. But some people do it every time and get lucky and then get really angry and disappointed if they don't. I think I'd be more of a fan of, of going down your route and being like, you know what, I really want that fountain view. What's the upgrade cost? <laughs> you know, I think personally that sort of thing is worth doing. And I think you're never going to be, or very rarely are you going to be disappointed because worst case scenario, you say, well, I could have put that room for $300 and you, and you pay the $300 rate and you don't lose out based on what you originally perhaps were willing to pay. You can only benefit by booking the lower priced room, particularly someone like Vegas because there's so many rooms, it's unlikely they're going to sell out. Yeah. Well, the other thing about it is I think there's a, in a negotiating philosophy, and I've discussed this before, too many people get caught up in entitlement and getting things for free. Either it, mm. the simplistic thing, it's like my birthday or my anniversary, or I'm a Hilton Diamond guest. I deserve the suite or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> we can uh, joke about that. You see this all the time. I see this all the time in Facebook groups and stuff. Oh my God, so, don't even get me started. <laughs> but here's the brilliant thing about it. When you approach someone and you smile, and you're nice to them and say, I have a special occasion. I'd really like to upgrade to that fill in the blank room. And this isn't just talking Vegas. This is talking anywhere. How much would it cost yes. me to upgrade? Here's the beautiful thing about it is the minute you've said, how much would it cost me? You're actually, you're asking for something better, but you're acknowledging the fact that you shouldn't get something for nothing. That's exactly. exactly. Very, that's very interesting. So the person behind the desk is saying, okay, this is a reasonable dude. You know, like he doesn't yes. think he just should get it because he has great hair. But that's, well, that's never going to happen for you, is it? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you left yourself wide you know, open that one. You know my hair is much nicer than yours. But, you know, it's oh. amazing. I had a situation recently with my wife at a hotel, which was a non-affiliated hotel, and we wanted a later checkout, but not really late. Like the hotel had like one of those egregiously early checkout times, like so 11 a.m. Just for my benefit, is this your most recent hotel stay? Yes. So we okay, knew the sure. checkout time was 11 a.m. and there was no status. And the night before we went to the desk and he, we said, we'd like to have a later checkout. And he said, okay, let's negotiate. He was sort of funny. So what yeah. time do you want? And I said, well, we really just want one o'clock. And he said, well, I could give you noon for free, but one o'clock is going to have to be 20 pounds. And I was like, okay, that doesn't sound so bad. You know, I mean, it's, it's reasonable. It sounded reasonable to me, but then I made a joke yes. to him and I said, do you know what my mistake was here in the negotiation? I should have started at two o'clock because if I started at two o'clock, we might've settled at one. He started laughing so much. And he said, and he said, you're going to love this. He finished it up and said, you know what? I'm not going to charge you the 20 pounds and I'm going to give you the one o'clock. Uh, he said, and there are two reasons why I'm going to do that. One, you didn't argue with me. <laughs> and two, you were funny about it. But basically, you know, he made 
if he had said to me a hundred pounds or 75 pounds, I would have said, what are you insane? You know, that's cr-. I wouldn't have been yeah. mean like that, but I would have said, that's a lot of money for, you know, basically one hour, right? If you're willing to give yeah. me noon, but he said 20 pounds. And to me, that seemed reasonable for one hour. Like, what was he going to yes. say? Three pounds, you know, I mean, oh, wow. three yeah, pounds. Exactly. So it was funny, but you know, and I think that's part of it. You know, I think people at front desks at hotels, they see a lot. And I'm not saying you maybe you shouldn't tip somebody if they give it. But honestly, thinking that, you know, you have to realize now the whole $20 trick, it might work sometimes, but it probably just worked because they liked you and they were nice to you. Yes. Most hotels have revenue upgrade programs. I mean, Venetian Palazzo started it years ago. They have like, this is how much this is, 75, 100, 150. They have an upgrade yes. sheet. The idea is for the people Cosmo working at the desk. Too. Yeah, the idea is for the people yeah. working at the desk to basically sell these upgrades. It's good for them from a revenue management standpoint. They're making money off of it. So it's sort of done away with the fact that you're going to be able to bribe someone as easily because now it's the same way it used to be with airline upgrades too. Now, if that yes. employee just upgrades you to that suite that they would regularly charge a hundred dollars for, they're going to have to somewhat justify why they did that. And I'm sure on a one-off, they could say, I really liked this customer in front of me, or they were waiting a long time or had a bad travel day. Mm. And I decided to upgrade them maybe because you gave them the tip, but they're not going to be able to do that for like 50 people a day because then and their boss is going to say, why do we have this upgrade program? But you never seem to sell any of the upgrades and you're always upgrading people. <laughs> so, Well, they I also mean, have a lot, of the, a lot of the places have the e-upgrade thing now too, don't they? I've seen that for Caesars as well, where you can say, I'm willing to pay this amount of money for this upgrade. And you sort of put it on your, you do it online before you check in. And then they decide it, that check in if you can have that upgrade and then you get charged that extra amount. Yeah, I, I never stand by or something. Yeah, they use it. The Hilton uses that too. Also, they have yes. that too, with, yeah. and, and they have it also for additional items like checking in early. I mean, everything is ancillary revenue with properties. You know, the early check-in fees, the late checkout fees. But you know what? A lot of times, I don't necessarily. I know a lot of people resent these fees, but sometimes. You know, it's better than just a flat out no. And sometimes it's not a bad deal. I mean, if you want to check into a room yeah, at eight okay. o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Exactly. So take, for example, I'm going away next week with my wife for two nights. We're staying in a really nice hotel. The room is fairly expensive. One of the E standby deals was guaranteed early check-in from 8 a.m. The extra cost, 25 pounds. Now, if I'm paying hundreds of pounds for a room and I want to check in you know, the normal check-in time is like three o'clock. So we're talking like a decent amount of time early. It's totally worth that 25 pounds. I'm totally paying that for peace of mind. Otherwise, I mean, no. otherwise <laughs> I, get, I gamble when I get there. Maybe if I'm on my own, I'd be thinking, well, I'll just gamble. I'll get there and see if they check me in early. But I'm, if I'm going away with my wife, I want that guaranteed. Hell yeah, I'm paying that. And you they're know, probably not. Way up. Well, and also your way up is different. Like if you, if you weren't arriving till one o'clock in the afternoon, your risk factor between 1 and 3 p.m. is totally different than your risk factor between 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Exactly. So that's all. That's sort of like the, you know, they're giving you a reasonable offer that you're doing it. And also you need to realize that, you know, it isn't always 
It isn't always completely connected at a property. If they give you one of those e-offers for early check-in for $25 or 25 pounds, that doesn't mean if you get there at 8 a.m. that you could get that same offer to check in early. And part of that, you see, it's tough because that's also part of their allocation thing. Like they've allocated you the possibility that you could, it's, you just have to weigh a number of things. And also that that fee is normally the same, no matter what room you're in. So if I'm in a $50 room, say, and the the early fee is 25, it seems like a lot more than if I'm in a $500 room and it's still only 25. You know? Yeah, no, no, no. It's smart stuff, you know, to do that. So getting back to our topic at hand, well, I've managed to avoid the topic that I don't like. Yeah. I think well, you I, know, have, I, I have one question for you before we end this as well. I, I, one scenario I want to put, put forward to you that I think is kind of unique to visiting Vegas from Europe. So if I want to visit Vegas, I'm going to have to fly for 10 hours, right? 10 hour flight from London. That means I arrive usually at night let's say eight o'clock at night, after 10 hours of flying, time zones all over the place. That's like middle of the night for me in UK time. What if I don't want to gamble that first night? Now, I'm not saying that's the case because I normally do, but imagine I didn't, okay? Or I knew I wasn't going to be able to gamble for as many hours, so it's going to affect my average. Do you then consider staying and paying to stay at somewhere like the Waldorf Astoria for the first night you're there so it doesn't hurt your average? What do you think? I think if you are a semi-significant player, it's not going to matter that much because it's a combination of the daily and the trip average. But I will tell you, and I mean, this is another one of those things I caveat a million times. If that's like the first day of your four-day trip, I'm going to say that if you are going to be spreading your play out, you are Mm. better off having the play towards the end of the trip and the trip strong with play than having it at the beginning because you have a natural excuse at the beginning. You get there, you were tired or whatever. What's your excuse for, quote, burning them and not playing on the last day? I don't think there's a lot, you know, so if you take the night. So I would say, you know, I've had times where I've had really good comp success and not played at all for the first day or two and basically structured all my play towards the end of the trip. And I just think it just looks more more logical, you know, but the other thing about it it also depends on the scheme, doesn't it? Caesars is pretty bad. Yeah, they take the daily average. But if it most, depends, most it's, like M Life does is trip and Cosmo is trip, I think Win is trip. So yeah, and the other thing about it is, and you have to be, you know, part of it is, you know, when we talk play, like big play, little play, medium play, you know, are you dealing with a host? Are you not dealing with a host? If you know, at the end of yeah. the day, the model always used to be for table players four hours a day at the game that you mostly play. Well, you know, quite frankly, it doesn't really, you know, four hours of a hundred dollar average, you know, is two hours of a $200 average. You know what I mean? Like if, if what you were getting 
if your agreement with a host or what you're getting is that you're going to play blackjack for $500 average for four hours a day, and you decide to play for a $2,000 average, well, you don't have to do it for four hours. I mean, it doesn't. So part of it is that's why these things are a little complicated. And and once again, the the other part of that is if you were doing four hours a day at a $100 average, and then you wanted to do if you didn't want to play one day, and you were going to do eight hours another day, that's you usually perfectly, especially if hosts are looking at it, it's perfectly acceptable. The tricky part about it is it's usually never a problem when you have a good host relationship because it's a human being looking at the scenario. It becomes difficult, like you were saying, with the Caesars computer, when you're just dealing with marketing offers and you're just dealing with how the computer views your play, you have a lot of guesswork there on that kind of stuff. And that can change, which makes it really, really difficult. And then the question is, who do you find out the data points from? Like, okay, like, Steve, you had a four-day stay at Caesars, and you just played one big day at the end. How were your offers three months later? You know what I mean? Like, this is like complicated data points. So I guess the answer is it's just a tricky thing. And then you also have the changing the room option. So that's a sort of tricky one too, right? Well, I think the whole, I think the problem is there's no clear answer to this. We're trying to tackle a topic that's so big that we can't really answer because yeah. it depends on the player. It depends who you are. It depends. Do you, why do you go to Vegas? Do you go for food and shows or do you go to gamble or do you fly in for 10 hours and know every first night you get there, you're not going to play and you happen to play at Caesars where they count daily average. You know, there's so many different variables. Maybe you have one more stay in your Hilton Diamond. So you think, I'll just spend a night at the Waldorf because I'm in Vegas. I'll treat myself to some luxury. Or maybe you're rich in Hilton points and you think, well, I'll comp myself and do what I want to do. You know, there's so many different scenarios. It's quite hard to answer. For me personally, I don't think I would because, well, like you, I'm a gambler and I like to stay where the casinos are. But as we said, MGM Signature, for example, and Vidara are really popular. They always seem to come up. So people are staying there. And be honest with me, even after traveling all day and it's UK time in the middle of the night, you know you're hitting the slot machines and having a cocktail that night oh, because yeah, you've got good, because only people who gamble understand what like casino adrenaline is where you start walking faster <laughs> right, right? you know exactly what it is oh, right? I, 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 I started a little dance on the way you know <laughs> high-fiving <laughs> random well not anymore i won't high-five <laughs> random people but not anymore <laughs> yeah and the other thing i think we need to remind people which is the most important concept if you can get over it two concepts the not being married to a casino loyalty program and accepting the comp offers you got as something that was earned you know especially people who don't this is why i keep saying over and over again be careful what you wish for as far as dealing with hosts because now you've entered into a whole expectation kind of risk reward kind of thing and if you do gamble on a decent significant level yes hosts can be useful on getting you more benefits but for many people you need to keep up those expectations and then they get disappointed. So I think the marketing offers are the best. But the other thing about it, and you shouldn't feel guilty about this, if you get a marketing offer from a property that you don't particularly love, it's fine. You can use the offer and you might not play very much at all or at all or whatever. You just need to realize that the offers might go away in the future, but that's also okay. Or you'll just figure it out when you're there. But I mean, it can be very liberating 
to not be so worried about it, to say, hey, you know what? I've got this three-night stay, and I'm going to use this three-night stay, and I don't really like gambling there, but maybe I will anyway. And you know what? They know this. They know you might play anyway a little bit, or maybe you won't, but don't worry. You earned it, and don't – but on the other end of it, don't get upset if, you know, you really like Bellagio and you got an offer for – I don't know, MGM, and you stayed there and you decided you didn't want to walk over to Bellagio to play and you didn't play at MGM, but you just played at, I don't know, fill in the blank Cosmo. And then you get no more offers for discounted rooms at Bellagio or free rooms at MGM. Well, don't be mad about that then. (laughs) You know, I mean, like that's, that's sort of the way it works. But I really think that people... You know, I mean, they shouldn't worry so much about it because, you know, the casino isn't worrying so much when you have a really bad slot session, especially for you crazy slot players, right? I mean, that's... <laughs> you always want to pick on us. Always well, want to pick on us. <laughs> but, it, but it is very funny what people worry about sometimes. I mean, and obviously this is yes. why casino loyalty is tough when we talk about, you know, well, you can get these free rooms in Vegas. You love gambling. You love playing slots. I love table games. So I'm getting joy out of that and I'm getting the secondary benefit of the comps. And exactly. if you're not it's like if an you're entertainment not, budget. Right. Your bankroll if you is your don't, entertainment budget. Yeah. Right. If you don't get joy from it, like our example at the beginning of the episode of like taking the money for the four seasons and using that as your bankroll mm. instead. If you don't enjoy it, it's probably not going to be a really good thing to do because of the risk and some of the unknowns with the way the loyalty programs work, especially the marketing programs and the marketing comeback offers. Mm. Probably not worth it, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, exactly. that's it. Oh, or, man, or this is like... It's just an impossible question to answer, really, isn't it? Yeah, but I think we've given some good thoughts about it and good ideas about it. And I think one of the most... One one thing I would say, one thing I would say is this has been a very long nine minutes. That's it. So I guess that wraps it up. So as as we always, it's a great way to wrap it up. As we always say, we would love to hear what you think. We would love to hear you tell us what we're absolutely wrong about. Yeah, <laughs> or, or tell because Steve. What I'm he's sure you about. will. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you for joining us, and until next time. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at travelzork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Insta at travelzork and on the Zorkcast Facebook group. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on Zorkcast. Until next time, dream big and remember, a dollar won is twice as sweet as a dollar earned.